Good morning. The gospel lesson for the nativity of our Lord that we celebrate today and tomorrow uh, comes this morning from Matthew chapter 1, starting at verse 18. It says this, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate the marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. This is the sermon text this morning. And I want you to think about this, about all the miracles of Christmas. I've said it before, I'll say it again. One of the most overlooked ones, especially if you're a guy, is the fact that Joseph did not divorce Mary. You can imagine Joseph, it says that he was lawful, that he did, he did everything according to the rules of the law, that he was loving, that he was compassionate, that, that he, he cared for this woman. And you can imagine him coming home from the workshop one day, picking up flowers at the market, going to his fiancée's house, knocking on her door, going to drop off some flowers, and she comes to the door before he can even get his cloak off. She says, Joseph, I'm pregnant. Excuse me? And there was a man, and uh, yeah, that's usually how it starts. No, he was an angel. Yeah, I'm sure he was really handsome. No, no, it was an angel. The name was Gabriel, and he said that I'm going to be the mother of God. Oh, really? You can imagine Joseph probably had more than one good reason to quietly divorce Mary crazy you know there's a lot of good reasons for him to walk away Um, first of all in this patriarchal society he would be adopting a son that wasn't his own and he would have to pour his money he would pour his time into raising one that that wasn't even his own flesh and blood and on top of that there was the shame factor everybody knew that he hadn't had relations with her and she with him. And so it was obvious to everybody that when he adopted this child into his life that, that, that he was admitting it. And so he had in mind to divorce her quietly and walk away from this child. And you can't blame him. Start his own life with his own children, his own, his own uh, flesh and blood. I wonder how many people today have walked away from this child because they're embarrassed. I can think of a hundred reasons why people walk away from this child. First of all, it's unbelievable. Virgin birth, angels, all these miracles, all... No. And then the fact that it happened 2,000 years ago, and it's a story that's been told and retold over time, and I'm just supposed to believe that? No. 
to walk away. And then the fact that this child grew up and this child taught that you, you're supposed to love your neighbor no matter what. Even your enemies, that means your family and your in-laws as well. Unconditionally, always forgiving them, always taking the lower road, always being compassionate and kind and serving and patient with other people, that's a huge task. The, the, the very fact that this child taught a morality that was way above, and this one time he said that unless you're your, your morality and your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, the highest of the highest. And when he said that to that Jewish culture, they said, nobody can do that. You cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. This is a difficult, difficult child. <laughs> and it's easy to walk away from him. I remember a couple of years ago, there was an interview with uh, Richard Dawkins. He's a leading atheist, uh, Darwinist, and author, amazing writer, and very influential for many people. And he was interviewed, and he was asked, why... Do you and many other people walk away from God completely? And do you know what his answer was? He said, people find it extremely liberating. Do you get that? They find it extremely liberating to walk away from this child, or in this case, God, because they can live however they want without this this child, without this God in their life. How about you? Have you walked away from this child? In your circles, in your, in your groups, in your tribes that you run with, maybe it's at school or at work or wherever, do they even know that you're a Christian? Or would they have known that by the words that you used or the attitude that you just showed to them? Have you walked away from him before? The adopted son of God? Is it too difficult to follow him? As Joseph is getting all of his divorce papers ready, um, he has in mind to divorce her and let her off easy. This is just too much to believe. He, 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 he's approached by an angel that comes to him in a dream. And the angel says this, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And then the angel goes into two areas and it gives two names to this child that Joseph will believe in so that he can adopt this child, and he does believe in this child. And number one, the angel says this, the child means Emmanuel, uh, God is with you. And number two, the child means you're saved. Those are the two areas that we're going to look at in the rest of the message this morning. First of all, the child means that God is with you. Uh, The angel quotes Isaiah 7.14. It was our first uh, Bible reading this morning. And you heard the reading that said that the virgin will give birth to a son and give, uh, the virgin will give birth to a son, and the son's name will be Emmanuel. This was a, a, a teaching that the scholars at that time, the Jewish people, uh, believed that was, there would be a birth of some sort of enlightened teacher. It wasn't necessarily a human being that the scholars taught, but that, that there would be, a, there'd be an amazing birth, and this birth of this person would, 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 would be a teacher that would bring kind of enlightenment to the Jewish people. It would be a godlike wisdom that this person would bring, kind of like a, a Moses or an Elijah or another type of prophet. But what's interesting is that the angel says this, is that the angel says this virgin that's going to give birth to the son, that means God with us, Emmanuel, is actually going to come in the form of a human being. Not an abstract idea, not a philosophy, not just a way to live your life, but actually was going to come in a human life, an embryo, a form of humanity that is real, not just an idea. That's amazing and that's incredible for us to think about. Because up to this point in the Jewish culture, they, they never even thought that God could become 
a man and live among us. I was uh, at, the, at a restaurant this week eating lunch with my son after doing some canvassing, and I was a little disappointed I hadn't got to share Jesus with anybody while canvassing. And uh, here we were sitting at McDonald's, and uh, I had my back to a gentleman that, that struck up a conversation. You could tell he just wanted to talk, and he wanted to share his philosophy and his, his life and his uh, ideas about religion with whoever he would come across. And so uh, this man spoke with another man uh, about the power of the force, the power of how a force within us is really what we need to tap into if we're going to find enlightenment. The other man was not a believer in God at all and tried to convince him that nothing could, you know, there's no supernatural things in this world at all. Well, they went back and forth, and it was a little uncomfortable as a pastor listening to, kind of like the blind leading the blind. But um, yeah, I thought to myself, uh, I could either just get out of here right now because they started to talk about religion and the church, and they started to bash pastors. And they did the whole thing like, we never go to church because all they do is talk about money. Like, we haven't heard that before. And, and I thought to myself, oh boy. I started to get my tray up, and I started to walk out. That conversation dissolved. And sure enough, he strikes up a conversation with my son about Christmas gifts, and then with me. And I thought to myself, does he even know who he's talking to? <laughs> and then he went on. He said, he, he, he started talking about, about the power of science, about the power of learning, about the power of reading. And I, thought, and I, said, to, I said to him, what is it that you believe in? He said, science. I said, where do you find the enlightenment in science? Because I really wanted to know. And he says, in learning more. There's so many things in this world that you can't explain. They're unexplainable, but we need to learn more and more and more. And then we're finally going to figure it all out. And I said, I like science too, but have you ever heard of, of a force named God? A God that entered our world and did inexplicable things that we cannot explain? And that that God entered our world as one of us to give us incredible peace and comfort and joy. You see, well, he, he dissolved the conversation pretty quickly after that. He didn't like that, but I gave him my card. I invited him to church and maybe we'll see him here. I I say that to you because you've got to wrap your head around the, 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 the struggle that somebody like a Joseph or somebody that, that is trying to understand that God becomes human goes through. The Jewish people were probably the last people on earth to believe that God could become a man. In Eastern culture, back then and today, God is an impenetrable force that goes through all of us. And you might have one person that has a greater insight and tap into God a little bit more than another person, but you have to find a path. In Western culture at that time, God was, well, there were multiple gods, and they would kind of shield themselves or hide themselves in human form, but they did it to get things out of people, <laughs> like Hermes and Zeus and all those things that you read about in high school and literature. But the Jewish people, they believed that God was transcendent and that he was personal, okay? He wasn't found within the universe, but he was the basis of the universe and he was transcendent above it, looking over and, and caring for it that way. But they would never pronounce his name, Yahweh. They would never spell it because he wasn't personal with us. And so for, for Joseph, a devout Jew, to believe this, that God came into our humanity and into our universe and is still personal and infinite, but that he became one of us was just too much to believe. And yet Jesus, this child that grew up, convinced even his closest Jewish followers by his 
resurrection, that he is the Christ and he is God. Okay, why do I bring up all this? What's the application for our life? The application is this, and maybe you've believed this your whole life, maybe you're hearing it for the first time, but if God can enter our world, and not just like the, the legends that came into our world, disguised themselves and got things out of it, but if he came into our world and became one of us, a human being, and he was infinite and he was personal, that means he can bring infinite and personal comfort to you. Whether you're sick, whether you've had a loved one pass away, he enters into the world that of yours and he says to you, I want to be your counselor, your wonderful counselor, your almighty God, your everlasting Father, your Prince of Peace. We're getting ready for house guests. Maybe you are too. Um, and the thing with house guests is that uh, you want to get the house ready before they come. You want to clean up everything before they get there. But when God came to our world, he says, no, <laughs> you're not going to clean up everything before I get there. I'm coming into your world to clean it all up, to give you infinite comfort and peace. That hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, uh, Charles Wesley writes this, Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. He comes into your house days before the house is ready, and he says, i got to come here because i got to give you I got to clean up the house for you. So number one, this child means God is with you. And then finally, in closing, number two, this child means you're saved. The angel tells Joseph, he will save his people from their sins. That's in verse 21. And you say, wait, I thought that he came to bring comfort and to bring healing and to bring a, a, a great, a great uh, feeling of joy. That's what we talk about at Christmas. And that's all true. He does bring all of that to one place. But, bef but if you're going to get there, first of all, you have to be forgiven. That's why his name Jesus, or we, in the Hebrew Joshua, it means save. It means to save. And that's his first mission in your life is to save you. And that's going to take courage on your part to believe that this gift of Jesus, this child, this adopted son of God, first came to save you. Because you have to admit that you are a broken, self-centered, obnoxious little brat. <laughs> Every one of us, from the pew to the pulpit and everywhere in between. Imagine uh, getting a gift, uh, maybe, maybe it's underneath your Christmas tree. You, you have gifts from your friends underneath your Christmas tree. The first gift that you pick up tonight or tomorrow morning, whenever you open gifts, you, you rip it open and it's a book about dieting. I didn't ask for that. And then the second gift that you pick up and you open it, it's from another friend. It says, it says, uh, um, it says the, the guide for obnoxious behavior. Now, the first thing you want to do is probably unfriend these people on Facebook, right? But it would take a lot more courage for you to say this. Indeed, I am fat and obnoxious. <laughs> That's what this baby is when he comes into our life. He's the same sort of gift that makes us admit, I haven't done the things that God has called me to, to do, and I'm failing to do the things that he's told me not to do. And so I, I, I have to first admit that I'm a sinner so that I can get the full free forgiveness that he comes and he gives me. And when I do, 
then I really receive the gifts that he's given me at Christmas. He comes to save first. And because he comes to save you from your sin, you have life with God forever into eternity. And that is the gift underneath the tree. That's the gift that Joseph was adopting into his life. We don't hear much more about Joseph throughout the rest of the Bible. In fact, this is the, about it with Joseph. We know that he escaped to Egypt with his family uh, during a time of persecution. But, but the, 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 the gift that God gives us here is this is that when I'm struggling to understand where God is in my life, I can hear the words of the angel say to Joseph that this child is born and his name is Emmanuel and that the infinite God is also the personal God and also the God that became a human being in my place to get me infinite joy, infinite comfort, and to give me the forgiveness of sins that I need to live with him forever in heaven. Merry Christmas from your pastors today, tomorrow, and keep that joy in your life and keep his gift in your lap as you hold the baby Jesus this season. Amen.